point in your career where you're starting to be asked to join boards of directors or you're at the point in your career where you've stopped getting those offers. Mark Fister says experience really matters, but so does packaging. I always call the difference between the Rolodex director and the digital director. It's a great way to look at it, right? So how you present yourself is extremely important. Mark Fister has helped scores of executives join boards of directors. He and the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta recently were presenters at a Vanguard Dialogue on how to join a board. Fister wrote a book on the topic of modern day boards, and he says before you join, you need to understand what he calls the architecture of a board. When you talk about most boards, uh, how they're made up, usually you hear the word structure. And the structure to me is a very reactive word. It's typically something that's done after the fact. We're gonna review the structure of this board, uh, what's already in place. I wanted to flip that totally on its head. Uh, and, and the topic of my book, uh, which is more in the architecture of the board, I view it more as a proactive step that can sit on the front end of creating a new board for a private company, or it can also sit on the front end of a reevaluation or a rebuild uh, on a public company board. This also works for nonprofits uh, uh, organizations as well. But that architecture throughout my career, and I've, I've sat, I sit on both sides of the table, both on, on, as a board member, as well as a board consultant and advisor for hundreds of boards across nonprofit, private, and public organizations globally. And I used to uh, joke and say that my, my career was Groundhog Day because every day was exactly the same. Every board that I worked with, they were focused on the symptoms and getting into the symptoms instead of focusing on some of the root cause areas that were causing their problems. And to me, it always came back to the structure of the board. On this architecture piece, I find what Mark has developed fascinating because it's also a great way of assessing a board that you might wish to join and look at it from that perspective. Does it have good architecture? Does it have uh, really good character as a board? And if it doesn't, uh, is it fixable uh, with your help or are you actually looking at an insurmountable mess? And uh, as Mark said, every single board he looks at has some degree of uh, dysfunctionality in this area. But the question is, is it a truly a totally dysfunctional organization or a, uh, you know, sort of a rising organization? And you can learn a lot by your interviews with uh, people on the board uh, to determine that. In fact, it's a very good question to be asking, uh, not just what would my role be, but how does this place operate? What's the health of it? What's the, uh, the organizational health of this board? To me, a, a, the, the dance, and I'll, I'll call it specifically a dance of a board candidate with the board, that is absolutely and should be a two-way street in terms of both parties interviewing and feeling out each other to make sure it's a fit. You're not doing yourself any favors by making that a one-sided uh, type of conversation, um, you, you'll know in about three to four months after you join that board if you didn't do your homework properly because you'll be miserable. In my experience, uh, it is very important to uh, kind of put your own ego aside uh, and think about what it is that you would bring to this board that no one else could bring. And uh, as Mark said, it's remarkable how many times people fail to do the necessary research to understand what the board would value. But uh, you know, the board uh, interviewers may not really directly ask you the right questions. You have to figure out the right way to guide that conversation and possibly to raise their awareness of some quality that you have that they weren't even aware they, they needed, but that you can see is needed. And then to present that in a fashion that is uh, respectful, but also 
impressive. And uh, taking on a board role and, and, and being interviewed for a board is very, very different than a CEO or C-suite type role. Uh, even the, uh, the nature of how you present your credentials is very different. Uh, but I think it does start with that uh, understanding of the context. So the context is you, you should be able to bring something special to this party that isn't there right now versus uh, simply assessing what you think are your strengths as a CEO or C-suite member and assume that those are the things that are needed at the board. They, they may not be. That to me is the epitome of the process. If you can get yourself to that interview, that to me is where it's yours to win or it's yours to lose. That's honestly the hardest part of the process is to be recognized early on before you've even had that face-to-face -face or had some other link to actually get you to the table for that particular interview. But once that interview is happening, to me, there's really great ways to nail that interview. And I write extensively about these, the nitty gritty components of these areas. One of them is the alignment of your values, your values-based decisioning. How does that play into your leadership style? How is it integral to your core leadership traits? So alignment of your values to the organization's values and the board's values is of utmost importance. If I'm building a nominating process and working with the vetting of, of individuals, board candidates, and I don't hear within the first three or four sentences, something having to do with the values, their values and the organization's values, how they meet or something interesting about them, I already know that this person is likely not very good at governance because the whole foundation of governance is based off the values, which creates the culture of the organization. So that's, that's one. Well, you know, I think uh, Mark and I would be talking pretty much the same language, just different ways of describing it. Um, what uh, we work on a lot uh, with executives is developing uh, what we might call a sense of purpose for an organization, which also uh, incorporates values. And it's really the same thing. Uh, I think in the end, it's just a matter of nomenclature. But um, I guess the reason for using the word sense of purpose is simply that uh, it uh, can also be a personal sense of purpose that melts with the sense of purpose of the organization. And uh, again, that's where I think, you know, this uh, ability, I, I think it's an EQ element of being able to step outside yourself to understand uh, what the board is looking for. They're looking for uh, something that you will bring to the party that others might not. And they're also looking for that sense of, um, of, of a, a common sense of purpose and sense of values. And, uh, you know, you need to kind of step outside yourself to realize you, you really need to display that actively uh, and not wait for someone to ask about it. And again, as Mark said, you know, if, if you as a candidate aren't actively talking about these things within the first uh, few minutes, then there's going to be some doubt sown about whether you really have the right sense of priorities. To me, there's a packaging component in how to do this correctly. So some of the mistakes that board directors make, and this is both for aspiring as well as experienced directors right now. You know, many, many experienced directors are um, thinking that they, they're uh, the victim of age discrimination because they're not being selected for boards anymore. It's actually exactly the opposite of that. The experience is being sought right now, but if you're not viewed as operating as a next-gen mindset director, based on your packaging, you're not gonna be selected for those positions. I always call it the difference between the Rolodex director and the digital director. It's a great way to look at it, right? So how you present yourself is extremely important. One of the big things I look for, if you send a normal CV format or normal resume format or normal bio format for a board seat, you're already way off track because there's a specific format of a document. It's, it's technically called your board documents. It's a whole different format. I don't care if someone calls it a CV or resume, but if you're applying for a board seat, you do not send a CV or resume for that period. 
it's, it's a different format for those particular areas. So part of your, your identity is actually even first showing that you've spent the time to understand how you submit your experience uh, for that particular seat. Um, another one, uh, and if you just do a quick breakdown of, of that identity, it talks about a board profile, board and board committee experience. You're not jumping into listings of you know, every year of your life of what role you served in. You're flipping this on its head the other way around and looking at it from your experience and then the dates you served in those particular areas and how they correspond to board areas. Board level experience. For an aspiring director, this is hugely important. They haven't necessarily sat on a board before, but what other experiences do they have in working with the board? If they were a manager in an organization, did they volunteer to get some time to put into the creation of some of the board book, uh, the board package that's gonna be uh, introduced into the boardroom? Are they presenting to the board in some way on a topic that's extremely important? So different areas, there's roughly seven different areas of how to package this uh, properly and how you, you create that identity. Now, in creating that identity, that drives all of the follow-on uh, behaviors as a board director into the right areas. You're focused on the things that actually not only bring value to you and how you would list these experiences and this expertise, but it's focusing your efforts also in the boardroom on those areas because you know on two sides, one is it's going to bring value. And secondly, it's going to be an area that you can actually list as part of your experience, which is your package as part of your marketing. So, uh, you know, uh... When Mark talks about this uh, identity aspect, uh, what it brings to mind for me is also that uh, you really need to therefore develop in your existing experience a breadth of uh, insights and activities. Uh, and uh, a friend and I uh, did a piece uh, recently for HBR about the importance of what we call the strategic side gig. And the whole concept there is that uh, if ever, certainly more so now than ever, it's important for more senior people to have diversity of experience. Uh, and therefore uh, the concept that, you know, you're attractive because you spent uh, eight hours a day, uh, seven days a week uh, in your cubicle working on your, on your core business uh, might seem sort of admirable work habit, but really it's a, uh, a kind of a lack of breadth ultimately. And therefore, uh, you know, really uh, strong board candidates typically have a breadth of experience that goes well beyond their business uh, at the hand. Especially as a board candidate, experienced or, or, or aspiring director, going back to this concept of a two-way street in your evaluation, there are some very glaring areas that you can focus on as part of this process to see if you're getting the the company line or if you're getting the uh, the, the answers you want to make a, a, an informed decision on whether or not you join the, this board. So at a high level, these are the things that I look for and for folks that I train or, or, or educate in, in the board space. This is what I tell them to look out for. One is again, looking directly at the board structure or what I call this board architecture, right? You can tell a, a significant amount about a board based on how it's structured. Uh, and that also has a lot to do with the involvement of board directors in terms of how it's structured, that's number one. I wanna see very specifically how the board interacts, right? So um, for a candidate that's in an interview process, in many cases, it won't just be a one-on-one, -on -one. you'll have a few board members there, maybe it's the nominating committee. You wanna be infinitely focused on how those board members are communicating to one another, right? Is there someone who's dominant uh, that's not allowing other board members to talk? Uh, is, do, you, do you sense areas of disrespect that are happening there? Are they even saying the same thing or are they on very different pages when they describe what they need, right? That to me is a, is a glaring uh, um, observable that you wanna look for. Um, board diversity for me is another big one, that's number three. Know that 
there's a much bigger picture to when we say board diversity than just the nationality or color of skin in these areas. You, you can definitely leverage those areas for what I'm gonna mention next, but remember what you're looking for in a board in terms of diversity is diversity of perspective, which leads to diversity of thought for the entire board and then leads to better outcomes. And if you are a candidate who encompasses some aspect of, you know, let's say formal diversity of race or ethnicity or uh, identity, um, it can be very tough to determine whether a board is uh, actually interested in you or in what you seem to represent. And so I think it's something to really focus on in a board interview is to really understand and maybe ask the question directly, why do you want me on this board uh, if I'm uh, black or transgender or whatever it may be, uh, and, and call it out rather than just uh, letting that sort of sit on the side of the table because it's a really important question to ask. And, uh, and I think it's important to approach this really bluntly to determine whether that board is gonna be the place you wanna be on uh, in the long term. Board dedication is another observable if I look at number four or five in this is to say, you know, what does this board expect in terms of their time dedication? There is a direct correlation to the success of a board relating back to what the expectation of time commitment is. To me, a board that understands the time commitments and is agreed fully collectively between them uh, is, is a big deal. And it's a great question for a board candidate to ask and see if there, if there are multiple people from the board in the room, see what answers they're giving you and are they consistent. If they can't answer that consistently or have the discussion, that is a huge glaring example, again, of a board that's not really cohesive in how they're approaching everything. Um, and the last one has to do with a learning environment. And I started to touch on this earlier. Um, it's, it's another area that can be an indicator for you early on about does this board because they're at the board title do they think that their learning has stopped do they think that they've reached the epitome of their career and this this is quite common you'll see folks that the minute they get appointed a board seat they feel like they know everything that they need to know it's extremely dangerous i can tell you for me that my learning my need for learning has become exponentially higher uh, since my, my roles on boards and also uh, my, the work that I do with boards. So those are the five areas, Ken, that I look at uh, and, and advise board candidates to look at as they're trying to size up a board at its more uh, superficial or higher level, I'll say, when they're first uh, getting, doing the, starting the dance. <laughs> Being a, a board member and a board applicant is totally different from being a CEO or a C-suite leader. Your experience up to this point has been really valuable, but the role of a board member is totally different. And so you need to think about how you present yourself in that fashion, which is another way of talking about EQ, that you need to understand it from the board uh, nominating committee point of view, not from your point of view as a CEO or C-suite leader. And you'll, you'll then learn to and lead to uh, presenting yourself in a very different way. Obviously your experience hasn't changed, but what, it, what its relevance is, is very different. That's the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta, along with Mark Fister of M.A. Fister Strategy Group. They were both presenters at a recent Vanguard Dialogue. Dialogues are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.